On this episode of Comedy Rewind, how did Hugh Grant bumble and stutter his way into a rom-com archetype with four weddings and a funeral? How have the concepts of marriage changed since 1994? Is Andy McDowell's character just a terrible person? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on guys? Welcome back to Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and joining me, bouncing from one wedding to the next, maybe a funeral here and there, it is Salim the Dream, Abraham. How you going? Making your triumphant return to podcasting. <laughs> My triumphant return, that's right. Hey mates, uh, I'm really good, I'm really good. How are you? I'm, yeah really really good it's you know i'm doing as well as anyone probably could in such interesting times <laughs> mm, yeah <laughs> i've been going to the pub quite often lately if i'm being very honest with you mate oh you know what <laughs> every time i see someone drinking like a pint on tv of tap you know beer on tap i'm just like that's what i want right now because it's the one thing i can't have and i had a couple yeah. like well, just before our like our recent lockdown and I reckon it was the first ones I'd had since like January or something. I didn't take advantage of the freedom while I had it, and now I just want it. <laughs> so enjoy it. Which way? Which way are you swinging during lockdown? Are you um, adopting healthy habits and like mm. losing a ton of weight and all of this stuff, or are you just no. like putting on those COVID kilos? <laughs> I'm probably just right down the middle. Like we went into a bit of a health kick when the pandemic first started which has probably set us up pretty good to be in the habit of like eating lots of fruit and not snacking heaps and that kind of thing. But, you know, you go up and down mm-hmm. where you, you just feel like you need to have dessert now and then or get some snacks now and then to make yourself oh. feel better, you know, eat the eat the sadness away. I'm right there with you. I'm king of the yo-yo, mate. I'll have like the first eight hours of my day are the healthiest and then I'll have 10 beers. And just write off all the all the really positive things that I've just done at the start of my day. So I'm right there with you, mate. I totally understand what that, uh, that feels like. That's it. But I mean, we are here to talk about four weddings and a funeral. Uh, it's a movie that I had never seen before. This is the first time in Comedy Rewind history that I'm coming into a movie fresh with no, you know, background, personal experience with it at all. But it was a movie that you wanted to uh, to talk about. Is there anything in particular that drew you to, to this one from the list of, of films that I presented? I, I've i seen this film once before and uh, <laughs> it was when I was probably 22. So it was quite a while after it came out. Uh-huh. Uh, I just love this film. I just think this is such a great, smart, charming, funny little film. Mm. And on that list of movies that you, you gave me, mate, this one just stood out as something that I know I'd love to watch again. Um, what were, what was your thought about it after uh, after you first watch? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Like you said, really. Cl- I think it's really clever. It's understated. Like mm. there's no real like slapstick stuff going on. Really, it's just all in the dialogue and just very British. Like it's it's just mm. that dry kind of wit. And it's it's you know we all know who grant and this hugh grant type so it's interesting you know i like to go back and see the origins of uh different things and whether it's video games and seeing like the first in the series or like i've been watching twin peaks recently which i was telling you about Uh. because i know it's such a big influence on like current tv and a lot of different entertainment and to, to go back and see this is the first time that hugh grant was hugh grant as as we became Mm. to know him it's quite interesting and quite cool. It is. Yeah, it is. He definitely... And I've been thinking about this a lot since I watched it again. He definitely stays the same, obviously, throughout basically the rest of his career in terms of the yeah. roles he plays <laughs> and, and how he plays them. And it's always this combination of traits, which kind of frankly, you just think is, is so contrived to be... Like, he, he is quite handsome, um, but he's also... Uh, elegant and then plays often these characters who seem to lack confidence it's mm. it's sort of this combination of traits that i just don't think is terribly realistic but um 
and, and you know, you ask about my memories of this film. I, I can only think of my memories of Hugh Grant because I was four when this came out. And I think when I was probably like six or seven or eight, like, and he's really starting to hit his stride. And, you know, I think in 97 mm. is Notting Hill, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And it's like around that time, he's like the Brad Pitt from England. He's like yeah. England's <laughs> answer to Brad Pitt, basically. Like I, I, I didn't know too many things, but I knew my mum and my sisters loved Hugh Grant. So yeah, actually, I actually used to yeah. work with someone who, like, I used to work with my dad as well. That's not who I'm talking about, but this person, after a few drinks. <laughs> They kept going like, your dad looks just like Hugh Grant. And they would pull up photos of Hugh Grant and be like, look at him. And I'm like, yeah, I can't really see it, but okay. Um, He definitely had maybe that kind of like floppy hairstyle in the 90s, maybe. I can can see Mm. a bit of that. But yeah, it's it's definitely interesting watching this knowing that it was going to be the character, the the character type that he would play for the rest of his career. And you're right, like he's devastatingly handsome in this movie like he's just ridiculously handsome and mm-hmm. i think the whole britishness or like the whole like what it means to be to be british and like the way that they look at their celebrities he i think he kind of had to be that kind of bumbling insecure kind of character type because otherwise he would just be like too perfect and they would reject him in the way that you know it i, I just think the english don't accept the pomp and circumstance and like the glamour of Hollywood the way that Americans might. Does that make sense? It, it, it does. And I think I, it, I had an interesting thought about Andy McDowell because mm. I think that she did, she did Groundhog Day the year before this and she is fantastic with Bill Murray. I think that she has no chemistry with Hugh Grant after watching this <laughs> film again. But... Um, thinking about like those yeah. two guys and what's different about them is that in, you know Groundhog Day Bill Murray's just so like high energy not high energy but it's just like it's all one liners everything mm. he says is just so dry it's so funny there's like it's a joke like every few seconds yeah. he, he knows who and he is and there's so much more visual gag there and she in that film is um more at odds with him like she resists she's constantly him, yeah. rejecting him totally resists him in this film and it's difficult because you see it in across four weddings, a funeral, and arguably a shopping date. That mm. um, you, you you sort of you don't see the evolutionary steps in how they actually kind of fall in love. Really, it just sort of happens, and then <sighs> external circumstances disrupt that union from happening until you get to the final moment when all of a sudden it all sort of falls into place. But you don't mm. really see her be able to be. Uh, to, to challenge him or to be really like anything other than almost compliant, I guess, the whole sort mm. of journey through it, if that makes sense. I think that that's, a, that's my only real big gripe with this film is just that you don't really see it from her side. Yeah, I'm, I definitely have a bit to say about Andy McDowell and we'll save that for a bit later because <laughs> okay. I think you've touched on a couple important things there. But um, I'm curious, have you... Do you relate to to Hugh Grant? I know you're often sleeping through things like he is in this movie, but like <laughs> the ter- in terms of like uh, you know going to weddings and like it, it just like with the same group of people. Like, have you been through that phase of life yet? No, I yeah no. Like, I mean, definitely been to weddings. Definitely sleep through a lot of crap. Um, <laughs> I was actually I drew a different parallel in that I I think I said earlier I turned thirty in like thirty five days. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm um, uh, totally single and uh, very happy with that in my life. But it, it, like 30 is such a milestone where it's like the clock's not ticking. I don't know. I don't feel pressure, but it's like I don't have the 10 years that I just had um, yeah. either. And so it's just, it's, it was just kind of interesting to see all of these characters on screen all kind of really. Uh, at certain points in the film, talk through how they feel about their own sort of singledom and how they feel about relationships and weddings and, and marriage and all of that stuff. It, it really mm. gets explored in different ways through these characters. And I'm sort of sitting there saying, yeah, I'm a little bit of this, I'm a little bit of that. Um, yeah, the, the sleeping in thing, mate, that's a good, that's a good <laughs> pick up on your part. <laughs> yeah, I know you. I know you. Too well. So <laughs> yeah. apparently the, the inspiration for this movie came when 
Richard Curtis, the writer, he was flipping through some old diaries and realized that he'd been to 72 weddings in 10 years. <laughs> oh my goodness. Which, um, I mean, I feel like I've been to a lot of weddings. Like I ha- had some recent years, I guess I was just that age where it was like five weddings a year or like four weddings a year. And mm. I'm at the point now, I'm 33 in a few months and I like I, it's it's harder to think of friends that aren't married now. Um, it's just like become kind of the circle that I'm in, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, it, it was interesting watching this movie of, of these people who, you know, they just, they all go to the weddings together. They're all single and apart from the, the gay couple and like things just never seem to work out for them. And it makes me think back to, for me, that was really, I guess, like uh, 10 years ago for me. And mm. it's... Yeah, I think that most people can probably relate to that theme in the film. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and and I think we'll talk about it, I guess, as we start really breaking down the you know the film a bit more. The, again, mm. it, it really does. It feels like it's like super pro marriage, basically the whole film, because it seems to be what everyone's driving desire is in this yeah. film. Until you kind of get to the last, it's really only until you get sort of to the um the the sort of the final post film montage of like images of wedding photos and other things, and you, you still to see okay, no, not quite everyone gets married, um, but everyone somehow finds happiness, and that's that's what's really important. Mm. Um, so so yeah uh mate where, where, where should we start um well let's let's look at i've got a couple of tidbits i want to throw in there and then we'll get into some of the categories so we've talked a little bit about hugh grant and you know you've just said that you're about to turn 30 he was 32 years old and claimed to be on the brink of giving up acting before he got this role so think about that <laughs> you know you think oh. if you if you've if you're not sure about how you feel about having 10 years behind you, like this guy, everything we know about him happened after the age of 32. So I think that maybe that's a bit encouraging or I hope that it's encouraging to you, Dream. Um, The movie was shot for 2.8 million pounds. I don't know how that translates, but it did make 245 million USD at the box office. So that's quite a markup. That's huge. Yeah, that's that's huge. It's crazy. Um, yeah, and I mentioned Richard Curtis, the writer, before. Do you know other movies he's worked on? Because if uh, you can I think could... of any British rom com, like name any. <laughs> uh, name Notting one. Hill. Has he done Notting Hill? He did Notting Hill. Name another yeah. one. <laughs> to to what to what decade are we talking about though? Like to like what from, year did he basically from that movie working? from that movie up until now? basically love, love actually he did that he, he did love, love actually. actually uh <laughs> uh god i'm trying to think of more it's weird because hugh grant started working in america that's the only british rom-coms i can think of yeah hugh grant films. well so bridget jones's diary uh-huh. about time which came out uh, i don't know five or six years ago with uh, Je- uh rachel mcadams Justin- and dom gleason tom gleason about to- oh i love that film yeah that's, that's a, a great really film. great movie yeah and then yesterday, the Beatles-themed movie uh, came out last year, I think. I skipped that one, but I just added it to my Amazon list. I heard it wasn't the best, but I'm, I'm curious anyway. Yeah. Interesting premise. Yeah, that's the thing. It's the whole the whole thing is how interesting the premise is, that, and that's really the only reason I want to watch yeah. it. But yeah, so shout out to Richard Curtis for an amazing run of, uh, of British rom-coms. He knows what he's doing. He knows... Um, that Hugh Grant is his, I guess, somewhat of a meal ticket for him or vice versa because they've worked together quite a bit over the years. Now, Rotten Tomatoes, we're going to look at the score here, Dream. Have you got any guesses how popular this movie is I did, or was I did with the critics? It. You I cheated? did actually see it. I didn't cheat. I didn't <laughs> cheat. I was just doing some research. I was doing let's, some research. Let's imagine that you didn't see it. And I'll do. I'll join you on this one for the first time ever. Another first. Yeah. If you didn't know what it was, what would you have guessed? Because I probably would have guessed around about an eighty. I think. Yeah, I would. I would have gone. Well, it's kind of hard, but I know I probably would have been around eighty-five, assuming sure. that this was beloved by everyone. Mm. 
And it's a 96, which is yeah. <laughs> very, very high. Like, I, I think there might only be one or two other movies that have been that high on this podcast. So, uh, it's su- kind of it's- surprising, I think, um, it, just because it's very British. I feel like there would have been people who didn't quite get the humor, but apparently not. And I think even um, Hugh Grant was really surprised. Like, a few of the people that worked on this did not think it was going to be very good or very popular and... It obviously made a ton of money, and people liked it. So it's a bit of a double whammy. Mm, it's yeah, it's it's hard to think about how people would have received this film because it feels like it is obviously very British, but it's also taken so many jabs at Americans. Um, yeah. And there's a real, there's a real like, it's almost like a punching down of Americans in this film mm. at so many different points. Um, and yeah, it's it's tough to sort of imagine how that would have gone gone down with uh, audiences. I think unless you're American, you probably think it's pretty funny. The humor as well is so uh, it's so commonplace now um, that it's yeah. hard to I guess think about how people couldn't have got that or couldn't have laughed because I was laughing constantly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. It's it's one of those movies that it was just. You had to pay attention because you were there was just jokes const, kind of constantly, yeah. But um, like I said, there was it, it never had any like Dumb and Dumber, Happy Gilmore, like these like fall out of your chair kind of moments. But it's just frequently clever and humorous, I guess I would say. Oh yeah. Which maybe that was a change of pace in 1994 amongst the you know all the Jim Carrey movies that came out that year. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, you, look, and you, you mentioned sort of the visual gags aren't there, but they, they are sort of there, but understated is the word you used as well. I think it's so correct. Mm. Like it's it's the signing between Charles and his brother David, you know, yeah, where he just constantly mistranslates what his brother's saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like even, is it this, it's the second wedding, Lydia and uh husband's name forget bernard and they're having yep. sex in the room upstairs and you see hugh grant like slowly trying to leave and he opens the door and goes through and you think he's left the room and then you find out he's just <laughs> gone into like a little <laughs> he's gone into like this little um ensuite sink or something yeah, like, like little like thing kitchenette or something yeah it just constantly builds on that um on on just like the last funny thing to the next funny it's really clever um mm, yeah anyway I'm yep. we'll move on to that's okay. We'll move on to the number one song when uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral released uh, in Australia. You're not going to guess this dream, so it was Ace of Bass, The Sign, and then yeah. in the UK it was appropriately Come On You Reds, a song recorded by the 1994 Manchester United football squad. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Written f- and produced by the rock group Status Quo. It's a Went football number one. song. Yeah. yeah right. I, I haven't listened to it, but I assume it's some kind of football chant. I don't know. I didn't know that could happen. <laughs> Maybe Manchester United just won something. And Anyway, I'm sure that there would be football fans out there that would know the reason that went number one, but yeah, that's so, someone not on me. Twitter it's probably not you either. Us. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> What have you done for me lately? So this movie is full of kind of people that you sort of recognize because they're British. And unless you're probably really big into British film and TV, you're not going to really know or care about most of them. So I'm not going to mm. spend like heaps of time on this. We've got David Haig, who's been in Downton Abbey. Uh, and Rowan Atkinson's the, pr- pretty much the only like big name aside from um, Hugh Grant and Hugh Grant. Uh, Andy McDowell. And Johnny English Strikes Again was his most recent film. I don't know if you've seen the Johnny English movies, but they're very popular with my dad and my nephew and niece. So that, that's a tick for them. Okay. No, I yeah. haven't seen them, mate. No, I don't know that that's exactly a glowing recommendation either. Oh, I think my dad's got a good sense of humor. Oh, okay. Um, he, int- he did introduce me to Rowan Atkinson through like Blackadder and Mr. Bean and that kind of thing. So, mm. yeah, big black at a guy. Uh, John Hanna, who plays this, you know, the the chap who loses his, his beloved um, Gareth in this mm-hmm. film. I can't remember the character's name, but it's, I recognized him from The Mummy 
but he has recently been on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so he's still kicking along. And mm. pretty much everyone in this movie is still working. Like, they're all really successful. They're just not big names. And Andy McDowell even, like... I couldn't tell you anything she's been in recently, could you? She's uh, she's 62 years old now. And mm. I... No, I couldn't tell you anything either. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other films. Seen her in. I, I rec- Did you recognize the guy? Um, I think his name is Barry the Boar. In the first wedding, he's like trying to get Hugh to stay out and have drinks with him while um, uh, Carrie's trying to get him to go upstairs. Yeah, right. That, I didn't that recognize guy's him. In, he's in Game of Thrones and oh, okay. it was like <laughs> killing me to work out how I recognize. Anyway. Oh, that's great. That was a good scene. That's anyway, hilarious. Yeah. We are now at the point where we ask each other, what's the most 90s moment of this movie? And is it, I mean, is there anything more 90s than the wedding dresses? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I love that uh, in the, They're bad. the first, in the first is Scarlet's like, she looks beautiful. And then Fiona's like, uh, you must be blind Scarlet. She looks like a big meringue. Like they're yeah. so <laughs> puffy, aren't they? Yeah. Um, it was in the wake of the whole Princess Diana thing, which... I feel like that was the 80s, but I guess that the trend lasted into 1994 at least. At least, definitely in England at least. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely there. I think, I, and I didn't want to really dwell on like the fashion just because it is, you must be sick of talking about it on all of these podcasts, by the way, always having to refer to <laughs> 90s fashion. So I don't want to uh, talk too it. much. But um, it's it, I, it. There wasn't too much that actually looked too out of place to me, and I think it's because so much of this film is set in like, in sort of really historic sort of British settings, and it's also so informed by like history and and their mm-hmm. culture, which is quite obviously you know very old. So even like the wedding, the Scottish wedding, Carrie's wedding, it's yeah. like you can't really. There's not too much there that really sticks out, you know, even now. Um, mm. I thought that uh, the, uh, the there's like a moment where Fiona's sitting at a table, I think in the second wedding, and the old lady next to her is like, are you married? And she's like, no. And she's like, are you a lesbian? Uh, <laughs> I think that like the treatment of gay characters and sort of homosexuality in general in this film is so, like that sticks out, not as bad, but just like I'm assuming you couldn't have overtly... Um, you know, not overtly gay characters, but you just, you, you couldn't portray gay characters the way you can now. Um, mm. And you see that with Matthew and with um, his partner who Gareth. dies. Yeah, it is it is Gareth. Yeah, it's like you never see them kiss. Not once. Yeah. You know, you see, you see sort of a few, you know, meaningful gestures, but even at the mm-hmm. funeral, um, they don't, um, they say he's his good friend, Matthew, as they announce Matthew to come up. So... Yeah, uh, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's... And again, I think it does it as respect respectfully as I guess they could at the time, but it, it's definitely... I don't know. It, it was weird. It felt like it's it was two, like... Yeah, it's a double-edged sword kind of because it's like the fact that they are two of the main characters in itself would have been a pretty big thing, I think. Mm. And that it's, it's also done in a way like... It's again understated. It's not like yeah. oh, and here are my two gay friends, and how funny are they? And one of them is the the man of the relationship, and this one's the woman of the relationship. It's not like a big kind of like the yeah, birdcage style kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is yeah, which is super super stereotypical, I guess, of of what um, films might have done at the time. Like you said, like the birdcage is a great example of that, where there's a feminine and a masculine within the relationship when, when that's just silly. Um, the, yeah. And you're right. Like the fact that you have those characters in the first place is, um, uh, is, is, is you just, it was probably writing, progressing writing normal real character. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not, um, it's not a, a slide against the film. It's just the, how do they get this film out? How do they get this film yeah. made without pissing off people, blah, 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 blah at the time. So anyway, I thought that was pretty goddamn nineties. Um, yeah. what else did I have? <laughs> Anything else? I had something, and tell me what you think of this. All right. Some very, very, very short engagements in this movie. And I uh, don't know if it's a 90s <laughs> thing, but the fact that it stands out so much makes me think it had to have just been a of-the-time thing. Because you have 
um, the couple you mentioned before, uh, Bernard and Lydia. The woman? Yeah, three months. Yeah, three months. That's three yeah. months from hooking up. That's not a three-month engagement unless they were did, engaged instantly. Did you... So what I... And I don't think the film ever you confirms think he knocked her this. Up? Yeah, like I think that's what's inferred. He knocked her up at the first wedding and... Yeah. But they don't really... But then they're, they're still getting around like a couple of school like school kids that are like all over each other still. Well, mate, so, what's uh, what happens in the bedroom is between them <laughs> two and God, mate, not me. Um, no, and, Hugh, but, uh, and Hugh Grant's character because he was you, in there with them. <laughs> you, you would also expect to see like a little bit of a bump. Like at three months, right? Is I mean, I'm not an expert. Uh, what's that? 12 weeks? Uh, not necessarily. Not really? Oh, okay. So maybe it's in especially not with a Especially not with a, like a cleverly like, designed Implied. dress or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe that's the implication. That's what I assumed straight away. I'm like, oh, he's knocked mm. her up. Um, but they do, and they are obviously quite mad about each other, um, which mm. I think is hilarious given that the first thing she said to him was, don't be silly, uh, Bernard, I'm not that I'm desperate. I'm not that desperate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then even the other engagements that are portrayed aren't necessarily, like Hugh Grant's character, Charles, goes from... Uh, thinking, what's her, the name of the, his fiance at uh, that Hen- point? It's, Henrietta um, Duckface. Yeah, yeah, Hen. He he calls her Hen, and he says, like, he acts like she is like the nightmare ex girlfriend or something in in some senses. Even though people, and she kind of is like she's crying all over him, and oh, he's like, Ugh. the way should I miss something? Yeah. the... <laughs> I think it's hilarious that he was just sat at a table with all of his ex girlfriends. Like that's that's kind of one of the that's one of the funniest things I think in this film. Like such a nightmare situation. But she like the way she's crying over his over like the loss of their relationship the and yeah. then and then almost like his future and his soul. I guess like she is really taking that to heart. Um, yeah. I also find it funny that she like, not funny, but it's like, it's interesting that they sort of resolve it with, she found someone in the third wedding and she's got that guy now. And and so she's kind of moving on and maybe he can move on. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, he sweeps her off her feet, obviously in the, in the following 10 months to, um, to get engaged. So, yeah. Yeah. So again, they were broken up. It, he didn't seem interested in her at all because he was so focused on, other women not just Andy McDowell's character but he just didn't seem interested in her at all and then in the gap that we don't see which is only I think you said 10 months right it's 10 months yeah um they they must have started dating again and they got engaged and married within 10 months like or they didn't quite get married but they had a wedding and it's like okay another really short engagement Uh, I don't know it just seems like compared to today the trend with most people is to be engaged for like a couple of years or like let's save up money and have the perfect wedding and we'll have you know everything that we want and we won't even start planning it for like a year yeah the the cost of living back then a lot lower than it is now um (laughs) i i think see i thought I think probably, you know, we look like you're saying, we've probably moved on a little bit and we're willing to take our time a bit more as a society, as people going mm-hmm. into these things. But um, I, I didn't find that too strange. I think what I took from that was that um, these are just people who are all desperately trying to get married um, or desperately right. find the one. And, and again, you get it in the third wedding where like, um, Gareth is encouraging everyone to go out and find the person, and mm. you, you learn that Fiona's, you know, got an unrequited love with with Charles, and and Scarlett's kind of full on, and um, Tom, like Tom, the tall. Mm. The rich By the guy. way, the seventh richest guy in in, <laughs> in Britain, I think the, what is it, that Branson fellas doing yeah. really well or something terribly so, well, yeah, terribly well, yeah. Um, like all of them, are, and you, you, you know, Tom says, you know, I, I don't want the thunderbolt. I just want to find someone who I find really pleasing, like find really happy. It doesn't and think I'm disgusting. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't think doesn't vomit at the side of me. Whatever he says, yeah. and you see, like how they think about this stuff. Um, yeah. but ultimately, uh, it's, 
it's all going to boil down to just getting married. I think that's what the the clock is. It's like 10 months is just like, it's, it's, it's almost like Mm. there's a deadline before 35. Like if you don't do it now, it's never going to happen. And then that's even worse than going into like a miserable relationship. By the way, what's Tom's form marrying a cousin? What'd you, what'd you think of that? (laughs) Uh. I thought it was unusual. I thought it was very um, interesting. Yeah. I, I, I know it's probably fine as far as like, biology like when they're that distant but it's still a little unusual yes if you are the in the if you're in the top seven richest families in the uk it should not be that hard no you're right it really shouldn't yeah maybe he was looking for the real deal though you know anyway i um (sighs) i think we might have stumbled into something as we've been talking like maybe it's the fact that getting married was such a, a big deal like that's maybe very 90s compared to now where there's a bit more, mm. um, you know, the people, the, the, the cultural perspective has changed where it's like, you know, it's okay to be by yourself and like it's, it's okay to be with someone for a really long time and you don't have to get married. Like that would, I guess that would be what the, the culture of today says about relationships, whether you believe like, like I'm obviously, I had a five month engagement, so I'm not one to talk, but like, I'm really mm. big on like how important marriage can be, but that, I wouldn't say that my perspective is what the general societal norm would be now. Yeah, no, look, I, I think you're right for sure. And, uh, marriage has changed obviously, um, you know, now gay marriages, uh, across Definitely across the UK, here in Australia, and the US, and other parts of the world yeah. now as well. But like, and parts of Europe, um, the film doesn't think you should get married. I don't think because at the end, Charles and Carrie aren't married when they have that kid. And I think it's, oh, right. it's a bit subtle, but it's because you don't see their wedding photos. I think that's the that's the sign to say they didn't get married. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that's sort of the meaning behind not seeing their wedding photos with everyone else's. Mm-hmm. You just see a photo of them and a kid and you're like, oh, okay. Um, so I think the film's not saying you, you need to get married, but these characters all desperately think they do. Yeah, um, that's right. So yeah, so those are bitter dots. But yeah, it's. I think you're right. Marriage is definitely a whole other thing now. Um, yeah. How do you find it, by the way, mate? What's your views on it? Would you recommend it to me? Uh, oh, yeah, I'm still, definitely. I'm not quite sold. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, have nothing but good things to say about it. And weddings, man, like, I, I'm not, I'm, I was going to be facetious and say, do it just for the wedding because weddings are awesome. But I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> Don't rush I'll just, into anything. I'll just go to other people's weddings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm it's, totally good with that, get- mate. You get to have more fun at other people's weddings, probably, but no. <laughs> and I don't have to spend fifty to hundred uh, grand either. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Really nice. The um, oh, ours was a fraction of that, and we had a we had a, all had a great time. But uh, oh. you know, people people want what they want. Well, mate, if it happens to me, you're the wedding planner, then, all right? Just yeah, keep the, I'll, I'll, <laughs> let's keep it. I'll tell you how to cut some costs, and uh. no one will know. Beautiful, thank you. <laughs> I'm thrifty. I'm thrifty. You, you touched on one of the '90s things I wanted to throw out there was the reference to to Richard Branson uh, doing terribly well. I did some research and found that just before this, he had sold uh, Virgin to EMI, the record label, for 500 million pounds. So yeah, doing pretty well. Smashed it. 500 million pounds. Oh my Most goodness! Most iconic scene. Salim. This was a tough one for me because I didn't have the history with the movie. I didn't really even... I wouldn't have been able to tell you any like pop culture references to the movie even. Yeah. And yeah, so I want to know what you had for most iconic scene. Look, same for me because again, I, I you know didn't get to experience it, I guess, the way other people did at the time. But uh, I thought that it would have to be Gareth's death. Like that scene where he has the heart mm. attack because it's it's the... I mean, it's in the title, basically, that yeah. there's going to be a death and that foreshadowing is there for the whole film of like, well, who's it going to be? Like, well, what's this funeral if we're just going to keep bouncing between weddings? Um, so, yeah. So, that that's what I had. Um, although I do think the 90s, the most 90s scene would be the kiss at the end in the rain. 
Oh my gosh! You know, yeah, yeah. So, I, uh, yeah, I, I did have that written down under one of these categories. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, what did What did you get, mate? I wrote down the Rowan Atkinson as the bishop scene, where he's just like bumbling over all the vows and stuff. I just thought like it was funny, like it was an easy laugh to just have the the bishop there who can't get anything right, but it it, it made me laugh. I, I thought that it would probably be one of the more like quotable kind of scenes maybe i don't know what did you think of of that part yeah good yeah i mean it's 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 great it's 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 hard to get through (laughs) more because that's kind of the last time you see him as well right he's not there for anything after that no he gets introduced at the first wedding and he's kind of like the apprentice or whatever i guess you'd call the equivalent in the in the um the cloth but uh yeah, he, he gets the gig for the second wedding and it might be his last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. It doesn't seem like he enjoyed it too much. Um, yeah, I can't... I can't think of too many other things. There, there's a lot of little things I think of which mm. crack me up, but that's, yeah, no, not, not, not in terms of being like super iconic. Yeah, and I think that that's where I was saying at the start, like everything in this movie like there's just funny moments regularly there's no like slapstick like someone gets lit on fire and jumps out a window or that kind of comedy because and, and that means that there's there's not really these scenes that stand out in your your mind too much mm. i did like the first wedding and just the part after the ceremony where he's getting around and talking to everyone and sticking his foot in his mouth and having some like just really funny interactions with people like when he reveals to that guy that his his wife had been like cheating on him yeah. and then he has the really bizarre interaction at the reception where he's like oh i'm charles and the guy's like yeah charles be dead for 20 years like yeah. it's just like so many and then he's just like the best man speech which is pretty funny too so i, I think that that first wedding as like a, a really long sequence is really one of the, the better like things and I, I think that it sets the stage for who Hugh Grant would be for the next 15, 20 years in some ways. <laughs> it's, you're right. Yeah, I, I had that down here too. Just all those like sort of little bit characters throughout um, throughout the film. Like you're constantly just being introduced to people who have like one scene and it's really short mm. and it's hilarious. Uh, and then and then that's it. Like again, like um, the, the guy who's trying to keep um, Charles there for drinks, right? Like that guy has like one scene. He's trying to get on with Carrie. Yeah. And then he's like trying to keep Hugh there for the whole night. He's like, let's drink till 6 a.m. Um, and then you never see him. He's, he's got the goes. bottle. Yeah. He's got the bottle, I see it. <laughs> yeah. And then the other scene that I thought was great was with all the exes. And you mentioned that already, like being yeah. sat at that table. Yeah. It's And they're all talking about each other without realizing. <laughs> yeah. It's so yep. funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, tough, tough look for you, for Charles. Mm. All right. What holds up the best? Um, what holds up the best? I think there's like, I think this film holds up really well, by the way. Like, mm. I think, um, yeah. For, for, and for the reasons I already said, like, I think that it's, it's only isolated to really sh- like five or six small scenes and, uh, mm. Again, you're spending time in like in these beautiful old English and Scottish buildings, and they would be exactly as they are um, today, as they were at the time of filming. And it, I, th- I think for that reason, it just it works super super well, and it, it holds up so well. Um, what else are the best? I don't know, mate. I can't like nail it down to one thing. I guess. Like, what did you have for this? Uh the, yeah, the comedy holds up really well, obviously. Mm. We've, we've said a lot about that already. I thought the, the button-up shirt that Hugh Grant wears at that mall shopping date. Oh, yeah. I thought that that look was like a, a classic look, and that's probably come back in fashion. Like, I reckon if you went down into into Melbourne, like down the South Bank or something, you'd see a few bros like getting around with the top button undone, floppy hairdo. Shorts. Kind of thing. Like it's, Shorts it's, and loafers. It's Asia- For sure. Yeah, it's aged really well and like it's just it's come around in that sense. Um the I glasses agree. too. Yeah. Mm, the specs, no, yeah. 
It's just a, it's a good it's look. Just a, a brisk summer's day in in London, sixteen degrees Celsius. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the yeah, the other thing I had, and I don't really know if it definitely belongs here, depending on your perspective, but the the climax of the movie that you mentioned, like kissing in the rain, the confession in the rain, where she comes back to him and she confesses her love and uh, all that kind of thing. It's does it hold up the best or the worst? I don't know because it's uh, super cheesy and corny and like, ugh, like this is so typical Hollywood crap. But then part of me is like, is this the first time it happened? Like, is this the movie that everyone else copied? And in that sense, does it hold up really well? Or no? was it just one of many that had already done it before? It, do- I don't know. it doesn't, I- it doesn't, it doesn't hold up well. Uh, so that's actually, no. if we're talking about things that don't hold let's up segue, well, what holds up let's the worst? Segue, let's segue. Yeah. Let's, let's go right into what holds up the worst then and talk oh, about the mate. kiss in the rain. The, the, the kiss in the rain, I don't have too much of an issue with. Um, the, I think I love you at the shops. And then, I think I've said this on this podcast before. My biggest problem with films, romantic comedies, is that it, like, they they just find their way into, like, these really weird situations where uh, confessions of love and, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I feel like that shit programmed me to think that this is how it worked. And so I blame these films for, like, so many embarrassing moments in my life. Has Dude, to be this set. is a common theme of you on this podcast. Oh, like we talked about this in the Nutty Professor. I think yeah, we been, did you're, too. You're, yeah. you're all messed up from these '90s comedy rom coms, man. Dude, I like <laughs> they've ruined your love like, life. <laughs> I failed so miserably, I think, in my like teenage years uh, and early twenties, probably as well, because of all of these bad habits I picked up from '90s rom coms and '90s rom coms. I had to like rewire mm-hmm. my brain. Um, I hate this. Shit. Every time I see it in films, I'm like, "This, this is not how it works. It's, it's bad. It really is like, and it's this is so ham-fisted as well. Like in the declarations in later rom-coms, like if you think about Love Actually, and you think mm-hmm. about like the card scene, the card scene, yeah, that's really sweet. That would like, not work out in life. It's it. <laughs> no, that's right. It's stupid, and there's 20 years probably between, um, you know, the guy from The Walking Dead and Kira Knightley in that particular. <laughs> moment but yeah it's like it's it's a lot smarter i think than than just a, a verbal declaration quoting mm-hmm. uh, bruce partridge or whatever his name is uh, partridge from the partridge family <laughs> i think i love you yeah yeah what, what did you have okay now i hear you i've definitely felt that sting as well you know it's um it's tough to rewire our brains for reality after watching all these movies and TV shows. It's just filled with false false confidence. False promises, mate. All of it. <laughs> yeah. So what holds up the worst? I want to talk about Andy McDowell here. Uh, I don't know what the 90s were like for, for young men uh, or for, for men at all, I guess. Like, was Andy McDowell the... Like the hotness at the time because I just look at her in this movie and this isn't just about her physical appearance even though I'm personally like don't find her attractive as the leading lady but just her whole character and personality turns me off I just don't see the allure of her I don't see why Hugh Grant's character is so in love with her and so infatuated with her and she's just kind of mean to him. Like she lies, doesn't, she's not upfront about who she is or her intentions. And then she like kind of messes with him and says like, does this mean that we're getting engaged? And uh, presumably at this point, she's already engaged to this rich uh, Scottish guy or she's about to be. She's been in a relationship with him for a long time. So she's cheated on him with Charles. And then no, the next time no, she sees no. him. No, that's incorrect. No? No, she meets him after she meets Charles. Okay, I missed that. Yeah, yeah because... Okay, he... so I'll... Oh, and I'll touch on how I know that in a moment because I, I think the way that that's uncovered is baffling as well. But anyway, go on. 
Okay, yeah, I was going to say, I'll give her a pass for that first one then. But after that, you know, she talks about, like, she shows up with her fiancé, and obviously Charles is, you know, what's the word? Like, awestruck. He's, like, like a deer in headlights when he sees her with him. And she doesn't, like, take him aside and say, hey, look, you know, I understand this has happened really quick and we had something and I'm really sorry about the way it's worked out. None of that conversation happens. It's just like, hey, this is my fiance. Deal with it. But you're 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 not wrong, right? Like everything you've said is pretty, and it's not Andy McDowell. It's it's the script because the yeah, film is right. sort of it's it's weird because the film. I'm, I'm not going to say it's like trying to get you to dislike her, but I think it's trying to create tension where normally there just wouldn't be tension with two people who, who like each other. But the film, mm-hmm. whether it's trying to or not, it is at least up until I'd say the shopping scene, like you sort of are actively being given hints that she's not a good person. Like um, if she wants to cheat, like whatever, I'm all about her agency. That's great. But it's like you, I think in the second wedding, she seems not super interested in Charles until right at the end of the night when she goes home with him you know she's at a relationship at that point and she does sleep with him again um so she's cheating mm-hmm. and then you also you do meet this guy and even though you don't really spend time with him um whatever his name is hamish i think his name is the scottish bloke you know he's old and you know he's rich and there's really no other reason you can see that she might go there i know that sounds really shallow but it, you know, Fiona gives you that hint at the start. She's like, oh, she's a slut and just bounces around rich dudes. Like, yeah, you're, you're being given all of this information and it paints this picture, which, which again, makes it really hard to kind of get on board with the idea that he's in love with her. And I, I, I have a big mm. problem with this too. I, I thought this didn't really work. The reason I know that he happened before Hamish is because um, in the cafe scene where she's running through her list of partners... I was blown away. Yeah, you're right. I was blown away by how she could remember them in order and so vividly. <laughs> like, right. Like, yeah. even forget how many there are, whatever. It's like the fact that she can lay them out chronologically. I was just like, this is bullshit. But if she, anyone can actually do this, I'm thoroughly impressed. Well impressed. Oh, we won't go there, Dream. All right. I won't. I won't ask. There's, there's just, there's just all these things that happen with her that just make me question, like her moral judgment and, you know, her moral fiber. I guess I, I just don't. I'm not drawn to her. I don't empathize with her. I, I can't. You know, I'm not fond of her as a character. And watching Charles fawn over her uh, is really like that was something that didn't work really for me i think the way you know it kind of comes around if it was a if it was an actress like in the modern day like uh you know a, a total bombshell like someone i'm having a mind blank um margot robbie or someone sure who's this okay. like exotic foreign like from another country like gorgeous like you just can't take your eyes off them kind of person then i can i would understand more of the like overlooking their faults because they're just so in like he'd be in like this deep lust for her as well but i just don't find andy mcdowell that type of actor in this movie no maybe it's a 90s thing but what do you Mm. think no i think look i i agree i think it's probably a combination of Again, you only have sort of fleeting moments with these characters across two years where you really start to yeah. see whatever they show you, I guess. But so it's. But did it's they only like have you... fleeting moments together as well? Like he didn't. Like in Groundhog Day, Bill Murray had possibly hundreds of years to fall in love with this <laughs> yeah. woman and limited options of to choose from. But... So it, it makes a bit more sense. And like, let's say this Hugh Grant is like a thousand times better looking than Bill Murray. <laughs> Yeah, but you see him... Oh, we could get stuck talking about it. Like, you, you see him work the game of Groundhog Day, though, to his favor. It's like he, he knows how to win her over, basically, because he's failed time and time again mm-hmm. and just resets. Um, but you do see her her character so much more there than here. I think here it's a combination yes. of, like, 
the limited time you get with her, you, you don't really see anything from her perspective too much either. It's always Hugh Grant's perspective and you're sort yeah. of blindsided by what's going on with Carrie. What's the latest development? She's engaged, she's married, she's not married, um, all that stuff. Um, then also, uh, I think maybe she was directed to be a little bit more passive because she is mm. very one-tone sort of throughout the film where she, again, she's just always so... She has moments where she could have been funny, like the after the bed, like the first time they sleep with each other. She could, she could be cheeky and playful, and she is cheeky and playful, and you you, you kind of learn that, but you don't see that. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I just think it's probably a combination of those three things. I think she's great. I think she's really attractive. Again, Groundhog Day, she's she's a great love interest in that, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think this just falls flat a little bit. Like Fiona has more energy and chemistry, I mm. think, with Hugh Grant than than uh, um, than Carrie. Andy, yeah, Andy, McDowell. yeah, I agree, yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah, and I, I just, yeah, I think she's also been voted. I don't know by who, but I just read this like one of the most annoying characters in British cinema by <laughs> some like big poll. So uh, there's a, right. I think there's a lot of people that aren't like a huge fan of. Carrie. The character, it's probably not Andy McDowell's fault. We, I'm not gonna, I'm not saying she's a bad actor, but I just, it, there's something about either the casting or the way the character was written. It just didn't translate for yeah. me. But you know, I will say this: the way that Hugh Grant, uh, the way that Charles gets engaged to to Hen, <clears throat> and then dumps her, uh, you know, at the altar. By the end of the movie, I was thinking, okay. Now these two characters can be together because they deserve each other because they're both terrible people. <laughs> okay, that's uh, that's yeah, that's fair. I think that's so you know awful. what I mean. Like for me, like they're I both just... ruining people. They're both ruining people's lives and like playing with people's emotions. You don't really ever like Henrietta, I think, as a character because she just comes across as so like oh cringeworthy to sort of be around and be in a relationship mm. with but you do definitely feel sorry for it i was very happy to see her wedding photos first in that last montage yes. at the end there that was a good yeah. bit of closure mm. <laughs> who would be the most offended by this movie now i couldn't think of anyone i, I think it's a pretty you know it's pretty inoffensive film i i, Maybe I agree um <laughs> Yeah, no, I literally had I, I literally had Americans. <laughs> that's that's all I could think of. Americans who who yeah. are just too patriotic and uh, women yeah. who have been left at the altar, um, or right. men who have been left at the altar as well. I guess, um, yeah, yeah, that would be pretty a pretty big trigger for some people, I imagine. But mm. um, yeah, so they get a tick for for that as far as how it holds up today. Does Four Weddings and a Funeral pass the internet relevancy test? I'm going to say no, given that nothing has permeated into my sphere of pop culture references from this movie. There's nothing that anyone could say as a reference to this that I would understand, um, even the way that I might for movies I haven't seen that are bigger. What, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. And I'll, I'll go a step further. I could see a GIF or something from this film and I wouldn't know that it's from this film. Um, yeah. yeah, I would just be like, oh, it's a Hugh Grant meme. But he, yeah, well, yeah. actually, and I, he himself has been quite relevant on sort of the internet relevancy of, you know, like I feel like I've, I've, I've there's a Hugh Grant character, I guess, that we all sort of imagine mm -hmm. when we think of him that is a an archetype of... Um, or like an exaggeration of who he is, obviously, that we just, I don't know. I feel like that's been sort of tossed around the internet, not so much recently, but like that's the only thing I could think of, and I think that's a bit of a stretch. Um, yeah, I think... It, yeah, let's like, just say no. As far as this category, like something like Love Actually is going to be way higher. Something like, jeez, um, even... Mickey Blue Eyes or something like I would mm. think of that before I think of the the moments and the expressions that come up in in this movie. Mm. How would smartphones and social media change forwardings in a funeral? Uh, I think like most films of this era, it breaks the film <laughs> entirely. Yeah. I can't think of um, 
any like crush I've had in the last decade where I didn't immediately like look for them on Facebook, Insta, <laughs> Snapchat, whatever, like just try and find them and then low-key stalk them. I think we all do this in the single world in the uh in the in the teens. And um uh yeah, I think that for sure after that first meeting he would have um yeah, hooked her up like looked her up, called her, messaged her message 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 between then and the next wedding and then I don't know, probably um gotten over each other and moved on. Uh <clears throat> Yeah, I think it, like you said, that it, like smartphones and social media would change all movies. There's been quite a few that we've done on this podcast where it really hasn't changed much at all. But I think more than anything else we've talked about, this would probably throw the whole thing out. They would obviously stay in touch, like you said. They would be DMing and texting it. I think their relationship after that first wedding would progress to the point where maybe she doesn't get with the rich guy unless she really was super motivated by the money um i think they would have maybe they would have had an affair going constantly he would have known she was going to be at that second wedding he would have known that from being facebook friends or from following her on instagram or whatever Mm. and then i think finally the last wedding where you know he's engaged to henrietta shows up on the wedding day and he finds out that uh, Carrie is divorced already, and it throws him off. It's it's kind of the climax of the movie, and that wouldn't happen because he would have known about it months before the wedding, and he would have been able to avoid that scenario completely. So I think mm. yeah, it would be a very different movie, um, and I think that would make it challenging to make it today, which is our next question: What would the twenty twenty version? of this look like dream and could you still make it? I think you absolutely could. I do like even in spite of what we both just said about um, phones, I feel like you could write around that pretty easily. Um, yeah. I, I would like to see um, actually, I just realized that my two recommendations for the male lead are both Harry Potter actors um, I may or may not have recently re-read through audiobooks <laughs> the whole series and then also watched a lot of films. Um, Eddie Redmayne, who's the guy from the Fantastic Beasts, he plays like a really yeah. timid sort of character in that and um, Newt Scamander. And uh, I think he's a handsome bloke. I think he'd do uh, a very fitting um, job of playing uh, Charles. I think... Um, Rupert Grint as well is also kind of like this um, good combination of just sort of like there's a naivety and uh, sort of an ignorance and then also just, you know, humor, like just so funny. Um, Mm. uh, I've got nothing for for the female leads because I didn't really spend too much time looking at American actresses. If we're going to do a strictly American... Uh, person but I liked your suggestion of Margot Robbie earlier I think that's yeah. um, yep. that's pretty good and God knows there's I think a bunch like of Jennifer Ozzy's Lawrence over. I think Jennifer Lawrence would work in that type of role J-Law as well yeah even like uh, you know Emma um, what's the name Emma Stone Emma Stone oh God. I thought you were going to say Emma Watson because uh, that was one of mine I'm like nah it's too on the nose for Harry Potter yeah <laughs> yeah um, she, she could play one of the she could play Fiona or something yeah yeah she, uh, it would be a good Fiona I don't know I really liked Fiona in this the actress's name is uh, Kristen Scott Thomas and she's mm-hmm. fantastic and also, did she marry? P- d- does it suggest that she married Prince Charles at the end? There is that the suggestion? That's the suggestion. Correct. Yes. That's <laughs> which is very strange. Like considering he was married, wasn't he married to Lady Di at this point? I think Lady Di. I'm going to Google this because I think this is a pretty good point. If if Lady Di, I think Lady Di passed the same year. No, she died in 97. 97. Oh, okay, right. I got that Three right. years later. I thought it was Oh, then maybe... Okay. No, maybe is, they yeah, were divorced. Sorry, you're right. 
Maybe they had been divorced by then. Hold on, I'm Googling. No, yeah, They no, separated in 92, in... and their marriage ended in divorce in 96. Ah. So. Oh, I see. Okay, so that's what it is. All right, well, that's good. Yeah. That's in better taste. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> Slightly. Uh, it's still very strange. <laughs> it is, yeah. I thought it was... Well, she's, you know, also part of the seventh richest family in, in all of... All of the UK or whatever it is. So she gets to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. I think you could make it today. I think it would be... It would be quite fun. And surprisingly, did you know that there is a four weddings and a funeral web series? No. What? Yeah. Is this is. A, is this just like a, a, like a fan-made... <laughs> Like someone's just writing some fanfic. <laughs> Can I go back a step? Was Prince Charles sexy ever? <laughs> like, no, definitely not. Who thought that, that is, would be a good that idea? That's a ludicrous question. So what's she doing? She's just marrying rich. Yeah, definitely. Guess she goes. But to be um, <laughs> lady four weddings and a funeral. The web miniseries. It's uh, written again by Richard Curtis. It premiered last year on Hulu and it was created by Mindy Kaling and Matt Warburton. So, you know, there's some big heavy hitters behind it. It's just that it's stuck on Hulu, which is why we wouldn't have come yeah. across it on Australian shores. Yeah, that's the death sentence for international releases out of America, really, isn't it? Some of it makes its way to Stan and that kind of thing. But anyway. Cool. Well, uh, download that illegally later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some useless trivia for you here I want you to react to. So, Andy McDowell waived a fee for appearing in this movie. She took a percentage points... Sorry, she took percentage points instead, which netted her an eventual $2 million uh, compared with Hugh Grant's salary of 100000 That is... <laughs> that is... Smart that, move. That is... Um... That's some like George Lucas level foresight to be able to just be like, you know what? I'll take the points and yeah. I'm just going to roll the dice and see how much this makes. That's, man, good honor. Well done. Yeah. Genius. Probably set her up. That's why we don't see her in anything anymore because she made all of her money in the 90s. Wouldn't it be like hilarious if this was just meant to be like, you know how actors will do like one big Hollywood thing and then like a small indie production or something? Like, wouldn't this yeah. be funny if this was the small indie production? <laughs> it, was just, it was just another home run. Yeah. So I recognize this car. It says here in my research, the Mini used in this movie was the same Mini with the same registration as the one that Mr. Bean used on his TV show. Back to school, Mr. Bean. No. Different paint scheme. Did you see the mini? Did it cross your mind? No, it didn't at all. It didn't at all. That's... Really? It's weird. It's a weird fact, but it's there on the internet, so it has to be true. Is it like Rowan Atkinson's car and they just needed it? Like he took it from both productions? It would be wild. That would be wild Uh. if if true. I mean, Richard Curtis, who who wrote this movie, as I've mentioned, he wrote a lot of Mr. Bean episodes. So I wouldn't be shocked if they used like the same, you know, studio departments, props, whatever. It could just be his car. It works. It's time now for the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. A real spark plug. And I don't really know where to go with this. Um, you mentioned there's a lot of characters that pop up for like one line here and there and they're great but no one that i'm really thinking is deserving of of such prestige as the steve shemmy <laughs> spark plug award so i kind of want to give it to simon callow who plays gareth i feel like he has a lot of good moments um whenever he gets to to deliver a few lines it's it's usually pretty funny and i don't know i just maybe i felt bad for him for dying but <laughs> did you have any suggestions about who would be a, a rightful winner of this award uh, no, you know what? We haven't really talked about Gareth too much aside from him dying. And yeah, I think he's, uh, Simon Callow in this film is just, he's just so over the top energetic and definitely one of the, one of the, like in a, in a cast where there's great characters, he's a fantastic character. Um, yeah, why not? I'll go there. I'll go, I'll go there with you, mate. I'll back you on that. All right. Congratulations, Simon. You've done it. You've made Last it. Last question. Is Four Weddings and a Funeral still a good movie? 
I think the fact that we've both seen it for the first time in our adulthood uh, and we've both been talking glowingly about the comedy and how it holds up, I think we both agree. Great movie. Mm -hmm. Still really good. Not perfect, but I enjoyed it and I would watch it again in another 10 years probably. I will be revisiting it sooner than that. I love this film. Big recommend from me, 100%. Um, It's just so... I don't know. Once you can get past sort of the weird stuff with Andy McDowell that sort of sprinkled throughout the film, it's so easy to just take in. It's so fun. I think we've said enough about how clever it is and everything. It's. I wonder where it rate, ranks amongst Richard Curtis's movies we mentioned before, you know, the Notting Hill and the Love Actuallys and, and whatnot. But I don't know. I think it's a it's a pretty good pretty good start to a good run for him and Hugh Grant anyway big agree I didn't realize it was their first I didn't well I didn't realize it was even a partnership I I, I need to do my mm. my research a bit better next time but um I, I definitely want to watch more Hugh Grant films now just to like really I feel like they're all the same world you know so yeah <laughs> and I want to spend more time with like quirky characters like this so maybe that's what I'll do after this do it do it all right dream uh What's going on? Is there anything you're working on? Anything in the pipeline? Give me the scoop as far as content creation goes. I know you're very busy with the studies and whatnot, but is there a plan to uh, return to to eight bit content more regularly in the distant future? No, there's 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 um, all the all the aspirations in the world to do it, and uh, and I think it it's. Uh, is stay tuned at the moment. It's a, it's a watch this space. Mm-hmm. I, I'll certainly come back if we do decide to do Notting Hill. Uh, I'll come back for Notting Hill. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's let's make let's make a date, a rom com date. So let's speak. see how many Hugh Grant films I can get you to watch. Like, let's see how happy we can make Hannah. Hopefully, with Hugh Grant films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I love Mickey Blue Eyes. It's not one of the British movies. It's a, an American movie. But mm. yeah, I, I love that movie. It's not 90s, so we can't do it, but maybe eventually. Anyway, for now, dear listeners, you can help out this podcast by leaving us some nice reviews in the Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or wherever you get your podcasts. Five stars or, or nothing, as we say. And if you really want to support 8-Bit and all the work we're doing, you can get into the uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash weare8bit. That's A-T-E-B-I-T. And uh, yeah, that's where you can chip in a few dollars a month to help keep the emotional lights on, as our fearless leader likes to say. Uh, Dream, where can people find you on social media? You can find to tell me. You, thank you for coming back into our lives via <laughs> audio podcast. <laughs> You, you can send your, your thanks or your complaints uh, to at Salim TD uh, and I'll respond to all of them directly. Oh, I hope you do. <laughs> and you can catch me, of course, at Johnny himself. And thank you again, dear listeners, for joining us on Comedy Rewind. Be kind. <laughs>